Hey, it's me, Marquis. Did you know that we have a YouTube channel and it's the number one place on the platform for all things Asana? Inside, you'll find demos and tutorials that cover everything from getting started with Asana to how-tos on how to utilize the more advanced business and enterprise features that power the workflows of hundreds of thousands of satisfied users around the world. Visit asanasolutions.com to subscribe, like, and follow along so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marquis. I'm your host. And today I'm talking with Krista Grosso. Krista is a the go-to strategic planning and systems expert for online businesses when they want to scale. Known as the business optimizer, Krista has the ability to quickly cut through noise and provide clarity on the core things that will make the biggest impact to scale a business simply and sustainably. She's the founder of the Lean Out Method, creator of the Lean Business Scaling System, and host of the Lean Out Your Business podcast, which I uh, was a guest on uh, most recently. So it's good to connect again. Welcome to the show, Krista. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for today's conversation. Me too. I feel like we needed a part two after our after our last conversation. So now it's your turn. You're in the hot seat. I'd love to hear your story, Krista. Um, talk to the audience about you know your background, where you got started, and what are the the key events that you know brought you to the place you're at right now um, in the Lean Out Method. Yeah, absolutely. I think like many entrepreneurs, my story was a winding road and I probably could have never quite predicted being where I am today. But when I was in college, I was actually a fine art major and I knew that I wanted to have my own business. I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So I was thinking maybe it would be photography or jewelry and I wasn't quite sure, but I knew I wanted to do something on my own. And as I started getting close to graduation, I started listening to a lot of those external voices about you really should get a real degree. And so I ended up changing majors and I got a business degree. I thought this is brilliant. If I'm going to run my own business, I should know something about business. And for anyone who's gotten a business degree, there's very little that you actually use in your business, but it was great experience. So I graduated and I'm looking for a job for a little while to pay off the college loans and figure out what I wanted to do for my business. And I was managing a Starbucks at the time. And one of my morning customers gave me this incredible opportunity to come into this company as a consultant. And I didn't even know what consulting was. I just knew I got a job. It was great pay. I was in. So I said yes. And what ended up happening was that completely changed the course and trajectory of what I ended up doing in my business and in my life, because that business that I stepped into was a lean business. They were very big into lean manufacturing, and the role that I stepped into was a project management role. So here, I thought I was going to get a job in corporate for a little while just to pay down some debt while I did something creative, and I ended up completely falling in love with and finding that I really, really was good at 
all things lean and all things project management related. So over the years, I did actually start a jewelry business and I still have that business today. We're actually celebrating our ninth anniversary this month, which is exciting. But that being said, thank you. Um, It was in that business that I actually ended up creating the lean out method and I ended up creating the business that I have today. Because as I'm consulting with all of these big, huge Fortune 50 businesses, and I'm helping them to lean out and be operationally efficient and really scale in simple, sustainable ways, my jewelry business was as far from that as you could possibly imagine. And I ended up in a place where I actually was very much on the verge of burnout. I put myself in a lot of debt because product-based businesses are very expensive businesses to learn business in. Um, And in that entire process, I did this kind of just reflection of how am I able to get all of these businesses I consult with such incredible results and I'm having so many struggles in my own business. And that was my epiphany moment to realize it's because I'm applying nothing (laughs) that I teach them to do into my own business. And I had this disconnect thinking that lean was for these really big, huge businesses. It wasn't applicable for my little small business. And I, I was clearly very mistaken because as soon as I changed that and started to apply it to my business, everything completely turned around. That business is still thriving and doing really well today. And I have then taken that entire method and turned it into something that's applicable for a scaling service-based business, coaching business, or consulting business. Okay. Incredible. Thanks for breaking that down. Um, I want to ask a question. You said something made me think of, you know, working in the business, not on the business. And so you said, you know, and the way you said it was interesting that, you know, how can I apply these practices and these methods to my small business? Was it a belief thing or was it a time thing or was it a, um, you know, I need to do this for my customers. I, I, I can't focus on me just yet. Like what, what was happening in, in your mind at, at the, at that point? A little bit of all of the above. So we scaled that business really quickly and a little too quickly. And we didn't have the systems in place to really support it. We didn't have the team in place to support it. So we were very much hustling and hustling and working harder and harder and harder, just trying to keep up with demand. So I didn't give myself the space to really think strategically about the business. It was more, how do we just keep delivering and keep providing a good product to our clients and meeting the demand. But the other part was very much a mindset, especially with a bit of that creative and artist mindset. Looking at what I did in corporate, it felt like not only a different world, but it felt like the world I was intentionally trying to create a business to not be a part of. So it was a little bit of a mindset shift to realize that I could take the principles in the things that work really well, but I could find a way to make them work that fit my small business that aren't super restrictive, that actually give me freedom and give me time and give me the results that I'm looking for. So it was a blend of both. Okay. Um, can you think to like a moment where like all that became clear to you? Like I know you said, you know, you went to business school because you felt you needed that to, you know, understand how to run a business, but, you know, we don't end up using a lot of that learning, you know, what was that like key moment for you that, you know, maybe was your light switch moment? Can you pinpoint 
one of those to, to speak to? Okay. Oh yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I did being relatively new to having my own business is I hired sales reps and I ran my business the way that they told me to run my business. And in you know retrospect, they never once asked me what my vision was. They never once asked what my goals were. They just told me what to do. And the things they told me to do were very big business related. They weren't related to where I was at in my journey. And they came to me and said, listen, you have to move production to China. You can't keep up with the demand that you have and you need to lower, uh, you know, we have more demand for you. There's no way you're going to be able to keep up with it yourself in the U.S. And you need to lower your prices in order to be able to be competitive. You need to lower your prices. Only way to do that is to move production to China. And we were already yeah. drowning in debt. But I also just from a um, principal perspective, I took such pride in the fact that my jewelry was made in the USA and that it was high quality and that I knew personally everyone who touched every piece of my jewelry. That was so important to me. And so it was do I even have the financial resources to keep going in this business, A, but B, can I actually go against my principles and move production to China to do what my sales reps are telling me? And I actually gave myself a week out of the business to just sit and reflect because those were some really big decisions. And I decided I'm not willing to move production to China. I'm not willing to close my business. So I am going to find a way to make this work. That's really interesting. Um, and obviously, because they didn't ask you what your vision is or what your goals are for the business, right? Like th- there wasn't really that connection there. But from the sounds of things, it's like you knew where you wanted to go and you knew that this was important. Like, I, so I, I'm assuming that it was easier to make those decisions, not follow their advice. And look at you, you're nine, nine years later now, nine years. right? And, and, thri- and thriving as a result of that. So good on you for pressing in. Um, to what you believe and, and following that vision. Um, and while we're there, I mean, I, I love your your business mission. You know, it's to, to support you in leaning out your business so you can level up and achieve your biggest goals. Love that. Um, dramatically increase your impact and profitability. Love that too. And create sustainable success. Um, what does that look like in, in, in your business? Because I think the biggest thing for me, like in, in February of this year, we released our 2025 Vivid Vision. I'm a big believer in vision. And Cameron Harold is one of my, you know, um, uh, I, I really look up to him. Let's, let's just say that. So I, I've read Vivid Vision a, f- a few times. I'm, I'm really proud of, of our vision. And what's been nice is that, you know, just from creating this document and sharing it with the world, we've already realized a lot of the things that are in that vision. And it makes me feel good that we're like really on track to hit, to hit a lot of these. And so how does your vision break down day to day? How do you communicate that? How do you live that out? And, and what does that look like in your day to day with your, with your customer um, engagements? Yeah, it's such a great question because I truly believe that your vision is the backbone of absolutely every decision that you make in your business, or at least it should be. And where I see people go wrong and end up with really bloated businesses or noisy businesses and businesses that they just don't love anymore is when they do a lot of shoulds that aren't in alignment with their vision. So we make 
every decision in lean out method based on our vision. And I call mine a next level vision. It's very similar to the vivid vision concepts. And we keep a longer term vision. We do more about a 10 year longer term. Where do we see the business um, out in the future? What's the impact that we're going to be making? And then I maintain a one year vision. So with the new year coming, what specifically does success look like by the end of that year? And that vision, instead of a lot of people setting visions and goals, and then they have a bunch of stuff they work on day to day and they don't connect to one another. We actually take that vision and that vision drives every single thing that we work on in the business. So we break that down to our goals. And this is the same thing I teach my clients to do. We then break those goals down into the specific initiatives that we're going to work on, which usually span our operational things that we need to do, our existing um, delivery to our current clients, as well as any of the innovation and new projects that we're doing to grow and scale the business. And so that's how everything we work on day to day ties back to vision is we start at the top and break it down. And anytime we get new ideas, new opportunities, which as an entrepreneur happens about 8,000 times a day, um, (laughs) we always run it through the question of does this align to our vision? Um, So is it the right thing? I think vision helps you answer that question. And then does it align Mm -hmm. to the goals that we're focused on right now? And I think that your goals help you answer the question, is this the right thing right now? So that is our filter for everything that we do in our business. And we're very transparent about our vision. We actually share it with our clients so they know uh, where we're at and how we work. Um, And it's something that we help them to create as well, because I do think that's what you should leverage for every decision you make in your business. This is why I was so excited to to have this this follow-up conversation and interview you this time, because we're so aligned in this, right? Like it's so easy to make decisions. It's so much easier to make decisions when you have a roadmap of where you're headed. I was on a podcast a couple months ago and at the end we're wrapping up and they're like, so what's, 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 uh, what's happening for ditto? Where are you guys going? What's happening? And I was able to just rhyme it off really easily because like, I know it, I created it. I'm working towards it every single day. And to to your point, um, I think I said this afterwards was, if it's not aligned with my vision, I'm not interested. Like, I don't want to hear about it. So it makes it really easy that when you get an email from, um, in my case, like a a, a tech partner that wants to partner with us and do a go-to-market campaign, I'm like, is this one of the you know, people in my industry or in my space that even makes sense. Is this aligned with where I want to go? This person that wants to pick my brain or, you know, have this meeting or this event that I want to go to or this webinar that I could go to or this book that I could read, like, is it aligned with my vision and where we're going? And if it's not, I, I don't care, right? Get it, get it away from me because it's not going to do me any good. So um, I, I love that you're living that and you communicate that with your customers. One thing I'm going to... Um, double click on. I heard that term recently. I don't really like it, but I'm going to say it anyways. I'm going to double click on on this level up here because I've heard that before and that can be interpreted so many different ways. So you help your customers level up their business. Um, What what does that really look like for you to level up? And like off air, we were talking about um, customers will come to you and they say they want more leads, they want more sales, they want more this, they want more that. And then, you know, you can help them get that. Sure. But then it's how do you manage it all? And so being the process person, what does it look like from a systems perspective to level up your business so that when all those things are realized, um, 
there there are the proper things in place to manage it all. Can you can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. And a key part of my mission that you had shared is the sustainable success piece of it. And to me, it's one thing to get clear on leveling up and what that next level looks like for you. And I think the reason I like the level up language is just because based on where you are today, your next level is going to be different from somebody else's and it's going to be different than your next level a year from now or three years from now. It's always looking at what is next for you and what's not just next for your business, but what's next for you as the leader of that business. How do you as an individual need to level up so that your business can continue to level up? So that's part of it, but ultimately it comes down to sustainable success. It's great to have this idea of what's next, but how do you get there in a way where you don't do what I did in my jewelry business early on, where you work around the clock and almost burn yourself out? How do you do that in a way where you don't make your team work around the clock and almost burn them out? So you want to look at it from a sustainable pace. And to me, that's where strategic planning comes into play. And I'm a big fan of doing capacity-based planning. So a lot of times people just have a list of all the stuff they want to do and they just work till exhaustion, go to bed, wake up, do it all over again and wonder why they're so burnt out and don't get a lot done. I think you always reverse engineer your results. If you know you and your team have 40 hours a week to work, then what can you feasibly do within that time? And I think you need to make the tough decisions and commit to what you can do accordingly. And then I think you do need to also surround yourself when you want sustainable success with the right systems and the right team. You want repeatable results. You want to streamline things and make things as simple as possible. You have so many opportunities to make decisions all day long in your business. You want to minimize decision fatigue by just systematizing the things that don't need your critical thinking on a day-to-day basis all the time. Um, And then you want the right team around you. That's so well said. I'm going to make another double click if that's okay. I'm going to hate myself for that when I listen back to this. Um, Capacity-based planning. I love that you went there. So this is a topic that like I hear about so often is like, what is the team's capacity? You know, what's our workload look like? And really the question we're trying to ask is, you know, who can I assign work to, right? And are they at the point of, you know, burnouts or, you know, can they take on more? But I'd love to hear from you how you break this down and how you define what an hour is. You know, how do you account for um, downtime, breaks, ideation, um, you know, just people stuff. We're all, you know, remote working at home. We're not strapped to our desks for eight hours a day. So how do you, how do you account for that time and like really define that, that billable hour and make sure that you know, utilization is where it needs to be in this capacity conversation. Yeah, great question. And one thing that I say to people that can freak them out a little bit, but it's really true, is when you're doing capacity-based planning, you do not plan based on 100% capacity. You leave a 30% open space in your calendar. So if you have a team member who works 40 hours, you have 28 hours. You only have 70% of their time that you actually commit to. And I think that's critical because, as we all know, we're super optimistic in how long things take. When we look back on something that we did before, we always remember the happy path and the fact that, ah, it's really quick. It only takes me two hours. Meanwhile, it really took you six. Um, And that's just the way that it is. So by having that 30% in there, it accounts for 
maybe not really fully understanding or estimating how long something's going to take. And also there are always unknown unknowns in our business. I think if anything over the past few years, you know, if we've learned anything is you can't possibly know everything that's going to happen. There's things that come that influence your commitments, that influence your week, that influence your time, whether they're personal, whether they're business related or whether they're world related. And so I think you need to protect that space fiercely Um, because people think, well, I'm going to have all this extra time at the end of the week. And they very, very rarely have any extra time. But what it does is it helps protect so that your 40-hour work week doesn't become a 60-hour work week. It lets you actually work the number of hours that you want. But beyond that, you've got your 28 hours, so what do you put them on? And I think this is where you want to get really realistic about what it looks like to actually work in the business, to run the business. There's a certain amount of time that's going to go in meetings. There's a certain amount of time that I have my team, every single person, spend one hour every week on optimization and one hour every single week on innovation. And so we have what we call optimization hour and innovation hour. As the founder of the business, I spend an actual day on innovation, but I have everyone on my team spend an hour a week on innovation. So we carve that time right off because what are those things that are going to help us move the business forward that we're not already doing today? What do they see and what are the conversations that they're having that I'm not seeing, right? I'm not in the day-to-day of some of the tools and things that people are using because I'm way up here in the conversations I'm having, whereas they can come to me and say, hey, I think we should make a switch from this to this because I think it's going to save us a ton of time and it's going to give us this added capability. I I would never know that if I was relying purely on myself. And so I think that's super important to have that. And then optimization, there is never a point in time in your business that you can't get better results from things that you're already doing. And optimization gives you that opportunity to have everybody focused on continuous improvement and always looking at the things that you can do, especially things that give high impact for low effort, that they can just kind of pull off of a backlog every week to say, I'm going to do this and look how much better we've made things as a result. So that's some of the ways that I approach capacity-based planning, 30% protected open space, space for the things that are actually going to move the business forward, um, and just being really realistic about what people's commitments are so we know how much time we have for those strategic initiatives. One thing that all Asana users from beginners to expert have in common is that it doesn't seem to matter how long you've been using Asana for. We all realize that there are aspects of Asana we just don't get. Maybe you're new to Asana and know nothing about it. Welcome. Or maybe you're a long time user but haven't explored the powerful features that Asana has to offer. Well, this is also for you. We've created what we're calling Asana Mastery, ASM for short, an exclusive membership to help you get the most out of your Asana investment. We want to help take your Asana expertise to the next level by demonstrating how the powerful set of features in Asana can be used to standardize and automate your projects and tasks. Visit asanamasterycourse.com and click register to get started today. Class starts soon. We can't wait to see you inside. Thirty percent is that based on like your historics and what you've seen in your business, or is is that a standard that you've seen or that 
that has been established. I'm just curious where that number comes from. Sure. That's purely observation. And the irony is that I work across businesses from super small um, solopreneur businesses all the way up to Fortune 10 businesses. Literally, it spans the gamut. And across the board, 30% seems to be about right. That's one of those places where it doesn't matter if you have a company of 20,000 employees or a company of two. For some reason, that 30% seems to be pretty universal from my experience. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, This next question, um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And it's okay if it goes, leads to a dead end because it's a... It's an interesting question, one that I've honestly been struggling with. So it's okay if you don't have the answer, and then I'll just move on. But is is time the best measure for capacity? And I ask that because, I mean, there are a lot of teams that are time tracking, like we time track at Ditto. Um, and there's a lot of teams that, that either don't like it or haven't found the need for it. And so they don't adopt that methodology, but they might, you know, look at something like um, an individual's an individual team member's revenue contribution, right? So we've sold this project, you know, it's $100,000 and we have three team members on it and they're each responsible for, you know, a certain percentage based on their role and expertise. And so that's another way of like looking at this capacity to make sure that they're, that they're at like, I don't know, 80% or 70% in this case, right? Because we're still leaving room for that 30%. Do you think that that's like, uh, a, a good way to look at it in, in dollar value? Does that take the pressure off of the team member to make sure that they're like tracking that time? Or, you know, is, is there one like best practice you could share on, on one or the other? Yeah. So in my consulting with corporate life, we actually, I teach companies to not use time tracking and to instead use things like story point estimates and stuff like that. I'm not a huge fan of time tracking, but when I think you have a small business where time becomes really valuable is so that you can understand how long things take. Not so that you're micromanaging exactly how many minutes or seconds somebody spent on something, but so that you do have those baselines for understanding, especially if you do something repeatedly, but not consistently. Meaning maybe you do a launch a few times a year. Well, how long does it really take to build out all the emails and to host the event and to do all the things? If you don't have that info, you're very likely to underestimate. So I think to me, that's where the time component becomes really valuable. But I'd much rather, honestly, if I had two people and they could both get the exact same outcomes done within the same week, and one of them, it took them 20 hours and the other, it took them 10 hours. At the end of the day, if they got those outcomes, amazing. I don't care about the time so much, but I do think it can also help to, for the 20 hour person to be like, wait a minute, this other person did it in 10 hours. What do they know that I don't know? Are they following something? Are they doing something different? Do we need to evolve this system? So sometimes I do think that comparison can actually be healthy as well. Not in a, why are you taking so much longer than so-and-so? But because if somebody is doing it in half the time, they either know something that can get, you know, better results in less time, or on the flip side, maybe they're missing really key components that are going to impact the quality of that outcome. So that's where I think time is super valuable, not in the, how long did this take you? You said it was going to take two hours. It took you two hours and 15 minutes. Why? Like, I think it can be used as a weapon in a way. And I don't think time is useful in that way, but I think it can help you make a lot of really smart decisions in your business too. 
Okay. So whether it's time or points or dollar value, it doesn't really matter as long as, you know, we can see that the work's getting done. Cause yeah, I, I agree with you, right? Like in, when you said it's either they're missing something huge or they're just really that good. You, you really don't know until you drill down into it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for answering that question. I know um, it was kind of out of left field, but uh, let, let's, let's dive into you a bit more. Um, and, and talk about your, your lean out method. Um, you have, an, as I understand it, four key pillars. What are those? Um, what does it look like? And how does that break down um, in each of your engagements? Yeah, absolutely. So the four pillars for lean out method are context, clarity, commitment, and Kaizen. And Kaizen is a lean concept for anyone who's never heard that before. And it's all about making small, continuous improvements and changes for the better, which I think especially as a smaller business, that's really, really critical that we do. It's more evolutionary change than revolutionary change. And when we're actually looking at what's working, when we're looking at what's not giving us the results we want and making those micro changes and improvements, we end up with way better results without as much churn and noise in the business. So that's the the overarching stages, but context, probably no surprise to you, starts with vision. So every decision, everything we do in our business goes back to that vision. So the very first thing that I do with any client um, when I work with them is get really clear on what their long-term vision is. Some of my clients leverage vivid vision. Some will leverage um, the next level vision concept that I have. I don't care what framework people use. I just want to know that they are super not only clear on their vision, but it's their vision. It's not what they think they should do because some sales rep told them that they had to do it that way or because they think it's the only way it can be done in their industry. But I want to know what do they really want for that vision for their business. And I look at vision across three different facets. I think there's obviously the business itself. There's you as the leader of that business or in whatever role you're in in the business. But then there's also your customer. And I think you want to be looking at who is your customer of tomorrow? How do you serve them? Do the clients you have today grow and evolve with you and you need an offer suite to support that? Or do you work with a very targeted market like startups where lead generation is going to be critical for you because you're always needing to bring in new leads? So I think when you look at your vision, you want to look across those facets and that breaks down into the business model that supports it, which is also part of context. Um, So to me, that's getting really clear in your context. Then you move into clarity and clarity is cool. Now you know where you're going. You know what your business model looks like. How do you actually get there? (laughs) And that is building out your plan. That's creating your longer term roadmap. That's creating your 90 day plans. That's getting super clear on what you're going to do for launches or conversion events or how you're going to market, what you're going to sell, all of that. Um, And then commitment is what it sounds like making the commitment. But this is to me being committed to the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, not to how you're going to get there. Because I think that's where Kaizen comes in is we learn things all the time. And I see people get really stubbornly committed to, I said I was going to do it like this, so I'm going to do it like this, even though all evidence points to the fact that they could actually get better results quicker if they did it a different way. So to me, commitment is you're committed to the outcomes, you're willing to be flexible and adaptable in how you get there, and you will continue and keep pushing through when you hit the mindset gremlins, which come up at all stages of business, and when you hit the outside challenges. (laughs) That's great. Um, and you, you, you touched on the first one or, or the last one already, the Kaizen. Did you want to elaborate on that? 
to me, Kaizen is really just about making uh, quantitative and qualitative driven decisions in your business. It's actually having space for reflection included in everything that you do in that you are a data-driven organization. I think so often entrepreneurs make a lot of gut-based decisions, and I think there's a lot of value and power in that, but I think you also need the numbers. And on the flip side, people are sometimes purely number-based, but they aren't taking the time to weigh in do I actually enjoy this anymore? Like, cool, it's creating revenue, but do I enjoy it? Does this fuel me? Is this something that's actually in alignment with where I want to take things long term when I look at my vision? So I think you need the blend of both. And to me, that's a lot of what Kaizen gives you. Yeah. And like we said, you know, off air before we started is, you know, how can you, you know, remove those things from your business and, and cut things out versus just adding more, you know, so that you can create more clarity and space um, for the things that your business needs. So um, thanks for that summary. And so as it relates to your customers, I mean, um, I, I love those 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 four pillars and I'm assuming that in your engagements, you're, you're taking them through different phases where you understand, you know, what the context is and, you know, how to bring clarity. And I'll, I'll let you explain it a bit more, but if you can start um, in your explanation by just talking and maybe there's an example of, you know, the biggest challenges and pain points that you see business leaders having that you're working with? And then how do you apply some of these um, pillars to those problems? Would that be something you can speak to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And my, my client, Jen, is the example that I always give because she is just such a rock star and such an amazing example of transformation. But what happened? Thank you, Jen. Yeah, Miss Jen. I love Jen. (laughs) But what frequently ends up happening when people come to me is they come to me when they are at that place of complete overwhelm. Things feel unnecessarily complex. Things feel heavily dependent on them. They feel like they can't really step away from the business or like it's really hard to turn off their brain when they are outside the business. Either they're actually getting messages from team and clients nonstop or their hamster in their their head is just going, 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 thinking about did so-and-so do this? Is somebody going to do this? Is that taken care of? And when you're in that state, it can be really hard to think really strategically. The big vision that you have feels almost like a dream that's completely unattainable because you're just so stuck in firefighting and problem solving and overwhelm that it's really hard to see how to get there. So the very first thing that we do is we actually, usually we do start with vision, but I'll usually start with current challenges um, and opportunities because people sometimes just need to vent and get it all out to be like, I'm just, I'm working so much and I don't even love this anymore. And I've got this client and they're driving me crazy. And it's like, they just need the space to be able to get it all out. And then when they do, I say, great, okay, and now let's look at your vision. So we share a lot of things that you either don't have the space to do from an opportunity perspective, or that right now you really wish were different in the business. So let's define what you really want. Um, And so I usually do that in a one-day VIP day to kick off engagements, because I think you need that dedicated space. And I find that even for the most overwhelmed person, they can usually carve out a day more than they could carve out multiple hours. So it works really well. They get the space. They're thinking big. They get the vision. It's great. So true. <laughs> it, it seems weird. Like I'm so busy, I can't possibly find an hour, but I can find a day. But it does consistently work that way. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. And then from there, it's about the plan. It's like, okay, great. Here's the vision that you have. We've got to create the plan to get there. And the first step of the plan, the very first thing is leaning out. It's how do we make changes and get rid of those things that you do not need to be spending time on. Either they're things that you're doing because you think you have to and they aren't aligned with your vision at all, or they're things that you're doing that aren't aligned with the goals that you have right now. You can table them and you could come back to them at a later point in time when the time is right. And usually we will not only clear a whole bunch of stuff out, but we will completely reimagine their schedule. Because what's super common, and Jen was a great example of this too, is their schedule is a hot mess. They're back to back to back in every single you know minute of every single yeah. day without a break in between. They don't have things batched together. So clients can put time on their calendar at any point in time or connection calls happen anytime. And so we just try to focus block some things down, give some protected space built in time to strategically think on the business. Um, and so we do that and then we actually build the plans to get there. And the plans are everything from what are you going to do, but it's also looking for the gaps in their current process because people's natural tendency is to try to go out and do something new. And usually if you just simply look at what somebody already has, there is a ton of money sitting right in your business right now, um, as well as a lot of time sitting in your business right now. So that's a lot of what we do with the early plans. That's so good. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're talking on and teaching your your clients is like their foundational principles, right? And I love that you carve out that time in the one day VIP to bring them all through that. You know, a couple of things stood out um, as you were talking there. I, I mentioned again off air that I was at a, a mastermind retreat last week. And uh, one of the speakers was talking about what you just said, having your calendar wide open to everybody. And the point that they drove home was that, you know, we value um, or we don't value our time well enough. And all of the white space is just like free time and it's open. Anything can go in there. Whereas they were trying to teach us that we should be valuing our time blocks as more valuable, less valuable. If you're a person that, you know, has more energy in the mornings, you know, you should be reserving those time blocks for your most important you know, revenue generating tasks, you know, we'll call them sales tasks, sales calls, whatever it may be, not, you know, checking in with a team member or, you know, doing, you know, just busy work, right? And so valuing those and like putting a dollar value in, in those time blocks, I, I thought was really interesting. Um, one of the takeaways and this that resonated with me. And then another thing you said in Jen's example, and I love this example, and I still struggle with this, you know, as, as much as I'm a systems person through and through, I've built them in my business, I've got a great team. It's like, I can't turn my brain off. I can't not think about the business. And at times, like on the weekends or in the evenings when I'm supposed to just be away from it all, it's so hard and so easy for me to just like you would pick up your phone and scroll through Instagram, right? I pick up my phone, I open up a sauna. <laughs> like, I wonder what's going on in here. You know, what's new? Who's working? Oh, any messages in Slack? You know, no big deal. Oh, what's what's happening in email land? And it's like, I, I still struggle with like breaking that. There's nothing that's needed from me. You know, it's almost like I'm looking for something to do, you know? Um, so that's interesting. And, and I loved your explanation of how you broke that down with uh, with Jen. Um, we're, we're getting to the end here and I wish we could, we could keep talking Krista, but I, I want to talk, you know, um, 
we're, we're talking process today. I want, I want to talk tools. What are some of the like practical, you know, things or tools that you use in your business you recommend for your customers that help to, you know, reinforce the pillars um, and help to, you know, have really successful engagements with your customers? Yeah, absolutely. I know you're a big Asana user. I'm a big Monday.com user. So that's my go-to and I live and breathe in that tool and in Miro. So I love to uh, visually depict systems and visually depict the interrelationship of things in a business because it's very easy to find the gaps when you take the time to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'll do a lot of that. We have usually Miro up throughout every session I have with a client because somehow or another we are, we're mapping some thing out and visualizing some kind of flow in their business to find the gaps or find the optimization opportunities. So those are definitely my absolute go-to. I do enjoy Slack as well. We have some parameters around how we use it. So it's a value add and not a distraction because I know it can be a distraction for for businesses at times, but those are probably my go-tos. Amazing. Um, I'm going to have to get you to, to school me on monday.com. I see all the ads on YouTube and I feel like I know the platform, but I don't know enough about Monday um, and I would love to learn one day. But um, thanks for sharing that. Uh, where can people get in touch with you, Krista, to learn more? Are you sharing any resources online that would be valuable to the listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So you can head to leanoutmethod.com for all the things. And I do actually have a guide if you go to leanoutmethod.com slash visionary that does help you look at how to structure your calendar in the way that I talked about. It shows some examples. You actually get to see what my calendar is like and how I structure it as well as some of my clients. Um, so definitely invite you to go check that out if your schedule is is like the one that we talked about with a lot of back-to-back and not a lot of blocking currently. Perfect. I still can't believe you actually got that URL. Leanoutmethod.com. Krista, thank you so much for being on the show today. Loved having this uh, follow-up and uh, definitely appreciate your time as it is so very valuable. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there. If you're enjoying the episode, I need to ask a favor. Would you just take a minute to go on iTunes, leave a quick rating and review of the podcast? This helps the podcast get in front of other listeners just like you. Any help to get the word out is much appreciated. Thanks for listening.